from the smallest room in New York City comes a show that gives you a reason to live. Few stories have entertained us in quite the same way as that of prison worker Tilly Mitchell's dalliances with two upstate inmates who allegedly used the busted seamstress as a cum rag while plotting their historic escape from New York's largest maximum security state prison. Uh, note uh, these episodes quickly, these numbers here. 199, The Whore of Danamora with Chris Laker, and 204, You're Better Than Me with Bonnie McFarlane. That's when we were discussing this. Well, that should be good. And joining me now, Bonnie McFarlane. Hello. I'm going to put you down for a two. I will go. This, this, this opinion goes to a two. I, uh, that didn't work. We have huge news. What is it? Richard Matt, one of the jailbreakers, one of the escapees yeah. mm-hmm. from upstate, shot. Shot down, taken down in a hail of bullets upstate. Why? I know... Look, I'm hoping no one I know hears this, but I want them to get away. Why? I know. Do we all feel that way? And no one's saying it. Well, it's because it's the similar. It's the Shaw Skank uh, redemption. And also, then I, I I was you know reading about how they were in these uh, the the cabins and mm-hmm. why weren't they more careful? Why were they just ransacking things? Of course, people are going to be like. You know, they're leaving their scent around. Yeah, they intentionally left DNA. He, he left those underwear, which he'd, like, wiped his ass with, apparently. Why are they doing that? They're, they've given up. That's well, how I see it, and I y- don't like it. Yeah. I'm gonna it start, seems- you want me to start rooting for the opposite side, fella? Fine. Now we're for the cops. Looks like it's swinging. But Matt's also, dead. I always... I always have my suspicions when it was like, the guy didn't shoot, but the rifle was lying pretty close to his body... You know, oh, he had the gun in his hands. Did he? he we don't know. A, oh, I see. We don't know. All we know is that the gun was lying pretty close to his body. What you're saying is they're trying to avoid any protests. They're out in the woods. They're like, yeah. Why didn't he shoot him in the leg? They don't want to hear from the Matt Lives Matter people, right? I, I, Matt Lives Matter. Yeah. Yes. Con lives matter. There you go. That's Murderers' better. lives matter. Um, I actually, it's not that so much as that if he got shot in the leg or something, we could hear his side of the story. Now, when uh, we just have the we just have the the lady that he was sort of an erotic th- thriller. You mean? Yeah, I because guess. these guys. I think why everybody's rooting for them is because that the escape they staged was so unlikely. You know, they had to crawl through. A, they had to c- crawl through a sewer pipe in order to escape. And uh, and not only that. That's not the part that was hardest, though. The well, part that, that was hardest was having to sleep with that lady. Oh, that's who I was talking about. <laughs> when you said the sewer. That was the sewer pipe. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually known in the prison as the sewer pipe. Yeah. So, she, yeah. It's, it's a, she's a Taylor seamstress, seamstress uh, supervisor, Taylor person. I, I don't know what her point was there. To, to tempt these men, apparently. I mean, who wouldn't be tempted by her? Right. A, a, a woman of her uh, beauty. Mm-hmm. A woman of her ease. Maybe, you know what? We're being so shallow. She might be really funny Really good at sucking dick and stuff. And <laughs> also... <laughs> She's got She skills. had the pussy of a 14-year-old. A lot of people don't realize that. Not, not everybody knows just how much this woman didn't stink. <laughs> she, <laughs> I think uh, that they had done it a hundred times, according to uh, one of the... Four times a week. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, but you know what? And, and Lyle Mitchell, you know, that's her husband, also works in the prison. And, uh, and, and that's a hundred times he didn't have to fuck her. Okay. Right. So... That's you know, why you're welcome. You want to say to him, you know, but mm-hmm. he, he was actually on NBC News saying, "Hey, uh, I still believe her." 
you watch the video, he's talking to Matt Lauer. Why does this happen? Where they do? Do they have to? Do their lawyers uh, urge them to side with the their lovers? Well, no. They just go. She, he he went to talk to her, and she goes, "Look, here's the thing. I, I didn't. You know, he tried to kiss me, and I didn't let him, and stuff like that. And then he's like, okay. And, you know, you, you have years invested with somebody. And you you want to believe it. You want it, yeah. Uh, you would think, though, he would be looking for an out. <laughs> he finally had one. <laughs> he, he stole her from another it. man. Oh, God. Yeah. We're missing something on this gal. She is One hour than we in think. the room with her, you will be a changed human being. You're not going to believe this, but <laughs> best I ever had. And not she's, just because I was serving a like life sentence angel. with no parole. I mean, right. <laughs> well, speaking of the best you ever had. Way back when. But there's still... More interesting shit. Uh, located in bleak Danamora. This is New York, uh, Danamora, New York. Population 4,898. Clinton Correctional Facility, sometimes referred to as Little Siberia because of the bitter cold and isolation of the area. Clinton is the third oldest prison in New York. Danamora was founded in 1838. The town, this, the prison, opened just seven years later. Prisoners were originally used to work local mines. Which tells you something about how much it sucks to work in a mine. It was dished out as punishment by a 19th century prison. It was the home also of a mental hospital used to house inmates who'd gone insane from being in prison. And then in 1887, the 60-foot concrete walls were added. These still stand today. Joining me now, news whore, Mandy Statmiller, unwivablebook.com. Hello. Hi. It, oh, so, shoot. I was I was hoping I could go into a seamless Tilly. Come on, Lyle. Lyle. Yeah, uh, we, we, we're talking about Dan and Maura on the heels of the TV version of one of the things that we talked about yes. at such great length Yes. Uh, on the show, which was really, it was a great story. I mean, when you look at it, it's, uh, what is it? Tilly is Joyce Mitchell. Mm-hmm. She lives up in Dan and Maura, and she's from three generations of this shit, you know. It's a very, uh, uh, kind of an unhospitable place. Not a lot going on. There's a thousand officers alone working at the prison. So that's the major industry, obviously, of the town. That's kind of like what the town is centered around, a fucking prison. And uh, hey, you know what? There's been some notable inmates. Notable inmates. Would you like to hear some? Yeah. Okay. Italian-American beat poet Gregory Corso occupied a space in the inner circle of the beat generation, along with Jack Kerouac, Allen Ginsberg, and William S. Burroughs. He served three years for stealing a suit. Corso did. Have you ever heard of him? I've never heard of him, Gregory Corzo. I don't think he's as notable as they're saying he's notable. Uh, I'm not up on my beats. Uh, Jesse Friedman, known as the subject of the 2003 Oscar-nominated documentary, Capturing the Friedmans. Oh, right. Pleaded sure. guilty, yeah, to sodomy and sexual abuse charges related to child molestation in the 1980s. Man, if, if there's one thing that you would not false confess to, I would think it would be that. But... Who knows? He false confessed to that? What? Well, I mean, that was the whole thrust of the whole documentary, I, I think. Never, I never watched it. Well, these kids were just kind of like saying all this crazy shit. Oh. But then again, you see, I haven't seen the documentary. We should watch it. We should. I just, uh, I don't have a lot of patience for documentaries. Well, I don't like the ones that spool it out like it's a mystery, you know right. what I mean? Like, just they give me the fucking headlines. techniques, yeah. Gangster, uh, Lucky Luciano. He served 10 years of a 30 to 50 year sentence before being deported to Italy. Joel Rifkin. Now, we should know about Joel Rifkin. Yeah, I, I know uh, that name. AKA Joel the Ripper. He's serving 203 years for murdering 
17 women. Also, Maxim Gelman is there. Oh, really? He is serving a 200-year sentence, I believe 275 total, if I'm not mistaken. Was Maxim there when um, Matt and Sweat were there, the Hmm. two prisoners who broke out? Yeah. Oh, wow. I wonder if they were friends. Yeah, he would have been. He would have been there. I think he's by himself 23 hours a day. I think he's one of those guys. Uh, Also, uh, let's see here. One of the 1981 Brinks Armored Car Robbers with the Black Liberation Army. He's he's there. Uh, Vincent Johnson, (laughs) a.k.a. the Brooklyn Strangler, killed five women in 1999 and 2000. How about this guy, Russell Tyrone Jones? Russell Tyrone Jones. Ring a bell? No. uh -uh. How about Old Dirty Bastard? Served 17 months for possession of a controlled substance. Oh, wow. That's his real name, Russell Tyrone Jones. Oh, old DB. Yeah. Uh, Tupac Shakur served nine months on a sexual abuse conviction from February to October 1995 before being released on appeal. I didn't know he served for sexual abuse. Well, he did. But then again, he was released on appeal, so I guess maybe it it all goes away. Bobby Shmurda. Bobby Schmerder, the rapper who made the 2014 hit Hot, I don't know what this word is, uh, serving his sentence for gang-related activity since 2016. So he's still there. Bobby Schmerda. Crazy. Uh, John Taylor, sentenced to death for shooting seven employees of a Wendy's in Queens. That's the big Wendy's shoot. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. Back in, well, I mean, uh, you know who did remember this? You know who did remember this? Mm-mm. Helene Witt. Mm. In fact, I think that uh, he went to her school. Really? I th- I, yeah, I think that he did. Oh, my gosh. Because uh, she was a teacher, you know, at the time. Uh, Renato Sebra, who is one of my very, very favorites, serving 25 years to life for the 2011 murder of Carlos Castro. We also covered that hmm. on New York City Crime Report way back when. It was one wow. of our first crimes, first year of uh, reporting, and Renato Sebra. It was really more story than we could get our mind around at the time, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was uh, the boy toy of Carlos Castro. He was like a journalist, and they were from overseas. Like uh, I don't know. I forget where it was. Uh, but like one of those, like a Central American country. Uh, and he uh, he wasn't really gay, apparently, but he was gay, but he wasn't. You know, mm. like he he was a, he was being the gay boy toy, but he was sick of being gay, I think. Oh, wow. So maybe he was. He was an underwear model. He was he was uh, gay for pay. I guess he was gay for pay. But yeah. he was, yeah, but he was also a model. So like... Uh, gay for publicity, gay mm-hmm. for breaks, yeah, but not direct pay. And uh, he got sick of it, and so he hit his uh, he hit Carlos Castro in the head with a computer with his laptop, and then he uh, got a corkscrew and jammed it into his scrotum. He cut his balls out with the corkscrew, and then he wore his balls around like a bracelet. That is so mean. Yeah. It's like that. You just find your own way uh, for the rest of the trip, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'll see you on the flight. <laughs> he, I mean, he did. I, I guess I can see how, like, when you have a rosary bracelet, you kind of nervously touch the beads of it to uh, calm to, yourself down. Is there such a thing as a rosary bracelet? I thought it was just a rosary, like, necklace, usually, like a beads. Yeah, you're right. A rosary. So it would be similar necklace. to a rosary. You just count the balls on your wrist. Yeah. <laughs> you're not on top of this tonight Well I think it's because you're laying reclined And like all relaxed and shit No I'm just trying not to cough So oh. that's like my primary objective Is not coughing Okay Yeah Well you can cough when you need to 
I got to do is just turn your head and cough. Okay. Here, let me grab your right ear. Okay. Okay. And now I'll know. Uh, now, of course, there are many others who've been prisoners there. Then there's Paul Guidel, murderer. Uh, he's not noted for the infamy of his crime, but for the length of his sentence. At the age of 17, Guidel worked as a bellhop at the Iroquois Hotel on 44th Street in Manhattan. This is going way back, by the way, where he suffocated a rich old bastard with a chloroform rag, and he only made off with a few dollars. Sentenced to 20 years, which he served at Sing Sing. Now, Sing Sing, by the way, a lot more famous than Clinton Correctional. You've heard of Sing Sing your whole life, right? Yeah, where is Sing Sing located? Sing Sing is about 20 miles up north of New York City. It's very near here. Oh, wow. You would think it would be in we like... Should, we should visit some of these prisons. It'd be interesting. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I think it's so. Not, I mean, it's not that hard to meet up with prisoners, you know, so... In the prison, you mean? Yeah. I mean, you can't... You couldn't do a podcast, but you could uh, figure something out so that you could then get the... Just do an interview. Yeah. And then... Uh, Report it and then hire an actor to play the prisoner. I don't want to meet some of these guys. I thought you about could, it. You could also become a pen pal. I know a woman who... She would love to be on your show. She has been covered in the post for she has multiple pen pals. She has been covered in the post for she has. <laughs> she she has multiple <laughs> so great. pen pal relationships with killers. For she has a fetish. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, what else would you call it? Yeah. I guess she just enjoys the way their brains work or something. I don't know. I just, I think they're, I think they're all murderers. Her name is Kelly Kreff. Kelly Kreff? Uh, Kreff. Um, K-R-E-T-H. And Kreff. actually, maybe she wouldn't want to be on the show. Why? Because she doesn't want us making fun of her boyfriends? No, she just is someone who, she's kind of like a give and take kind of person. She only likes to talk to murderers, I think, is what you're trying to get at. No, I don't know. She's just... Um, Something in the Daily Mail. Kelly Kreff. Yeah, probably got picked up and rewritten by the Daily Mail. So that's what they do. Okay. My pen pal, the serial killer. Meet <laughs> the successful New York woman who writes to jailed sociopaths as mm -hmm. a hobby, and she's written 600 letters so far. Yeah. That's all in the headline. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, Kelly Krath had a traumatic encounter with a sociopath in her own life. And Actually, became... she did. I just remember that. That makes her a lot more sympathetic character. I just remembered she had something awful happen to her. So, what? okay. What happened? Well, I don't remember. Okay, then I can go no, ahead. No, 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 no. Can I just tell you that oh. I don't remember how much of it I'm allowed to say because it was... Um, well, a don't whole, say it nothing, was a whole thing. Don't yeah. say nothing you want edited or nothing. Yeah, yeah. So. so you got nothing. Yeah, I just, I just, uh, I don't remember how much of it she did publicly and not, but she did. She had a really bad experience with a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it says here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see. Six years and six hundred prison letters later, Kreth says a sociopath is a person who wants to feel like the smartest person in the room. Mm -hmm. She it took her six hundred letters to write that. <laughs> uh, they do it for the thrill, Kreth said, adding that she does not condone any of the perpetrator's crimes. Well, that would be some if she did. Like I can see why they murder. They just do it because they're smart and you're stupid. Kreth says she wants to write to alleged murderer Robert Durst. Why do people kill? She's a Manhattan real estate publicist. Oh, yes. okay. So she's not the ugliest woman in the world. Oh, no. She's very, very cute. Yeah, she's adorable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's clearly, like, very pretty in case she's... Oh, uh, no, 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 no. I mean, I just... I mean that empirically. I think she's oh, very pretty. Oh, me too. Me too. Google her with Gawker, and you'll see... She wrote some really crazy sex columns for the New York Observer about how she wanted to have her, you know, brown 
penetrated and she wanted to like she said it like that it was crazy why does she talk like jeffrey ross yeah it was i mean i mean i'm not i'm not i'm not judging it was just like it was very jarring she's someone who i don't even know if i've met her in person i've quoted her in stories multiple times over the years and hard uh, to say if you met her in person yeah there are so many people that i just uh you know you like ships passing in the night yeah breaking girl kisses girl Mm mm-hmm the standard of self-incriminating oversharing necessary to make a splash in the New York media world has risen so much in this post-Julia Allison world. So what's an aspiring fame ball to do? Uh, literally whore herself out for a good story. Well, former New York press sex columnist and tit-obsessive Kelly Krath recently went to a swingers club to remind us all that she looks good naked, enjoys mm-hmm. girl-on-girl action, and is available for freelance work. Anything to get your name out there, proof of Kreth's commitment to becoming a media celebrity after the jump. Hmm. Yeah, Narrative but, arc but, of but Kelly Kreth's look up breasts. the anal sex but This thing. is all very, like, critical. Huh? Well, that's just what Gawker does. They're just cruel. Well, I've had enough of this. Uh, if, thank you for mentioning that. I don't know if Kelly Kreth is going to uh, be falling all over herself to be on the show. I'd love to have her. Sounds okay. like a, she sounds like a really interesting lady. She is a really interesting. And she's written to a lot of killers. I just want to make, explain the thing I said about the. I didn't really finish the thought about the. I guess finish that thought. About why I thought she might not do it about the push pull thing. Push pull is that uh, sometimes people are more. Um, it's like everything is a little bit art of war with them and. If you expect one thing, then they purposefully kind of do the opposite. She always, I will say, she always watches my Instagram stories. No kidding? Yeah. I wish I knew how to do an Instagram story. I'll show you. I mean, I could call Kelly right now. (laughs) Go ahead. Call her. Okay. Hold on. In the meantime. But look uh, up that anal sex thing. No, I'm not going to look up anal sex thing while you call her. You can look up anal sex. You can call her. I'm done with her. Bring her in. Don't bring her in. She's clearly down for fun. Use our Manny Stabular off to go handle this phone call business. Uh, I, I, I sort of thought she might be calling her in our presence, but maybe she's not. I don't know. Uh, this is a holiday show, by the way. She's so. someone who I would never fool around with, though. So I agree she's adorable. But <sighs> she's somebody I'd never fool around with. She's like 50. I can't hear you when you talk if you're not using the mic. You have fooled around with tons of 50-something women. Oh, I can't call her. It's fucking 1130 at night. Oh. I didn't realize that. Well, wake up and smell the fucking coffee. Okay, I will. This has become very boring podcasting. I know. I'm sorry. Now, don't take us down any dumb rabbit holes unless they're good. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Okay. Remember I was talking about Paul... Giedel. Uh Now, I said he suffocated a rich old bastard. He was sentenced to 20 years, which he served to Sing Sing. Sing Sing's a lot more famous than Clinton Correctional. Sing Sing was where uh, Julian and Ethel... Oh, my God. You are fucking killing me. You've heard of the Rosenbergs? The Rosenbergs, yeah, very famous. 
Julian and Ethel Rosenberg each had a seat there at Old Sparky. You know what Old Sparky is, right? No. That's the electric chair. Oh. Yeah, you see, electric chairs in many states were known as Old Sparky. Interesting. But in Tennessee, New Jersey, and a few other states, the chair was known as Old Smoky. (laughs) So no matter how, I don't know why that broke down on state lines, but uh, the internet says so. In 1953, after the Rosenbergs had gone through 22 appeals, Supreme Court ended its term by refusing to grant a stay of execution. Uh, But then, in a wild turn, two days later, what are you doing? Nothing. Put it down. I put it down. I want to know what you are doing. Just tell me. I was putting Kelly Kress in Google News. Man, this is going to take so much editing. Then in a wild turn, two days later, Justice William Douglas, citing a technical trial error, granted the stay on his own. Can you imagine that? Mm -mm. Douglas called for the case to go back to district court. I can't imagine the balls on that guy to do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Because he's one Supreme Court justice going like, okay, here's the deal. Forget it. Forget everything we decided. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stay it. And he yeah. did. And so he's tried to send it back to district court. So that night, Chief Justice Fred Vinson called a special session of the remaining justices to, to respond to this unexpected and unagreed upon stay issued by their colleague, whom they had not invited to this particular session. On Friday morning, they set it aside. Uh, in composing the decision, the decision, Chief Justice Vinson wrote, We, the court, finding no particular satisfaction in the mission and forced solely to the actions of our esteemed colleague, at this time and date somberly and soberly declare the finality of the following statements to wit, fuck William Douglas. <sighs> and number two, the execution will go on as planned. Wow. So with that, the Rosenbergs were set to die. So 5,000 demonstrators gathered in Union Square to piss and moan about the guilty couple's fate. Oh, my God. And thousands more gathered at the White House. 400 were arrested in violent protest outside the American Embassy in Paris, where President Eisenhower had been vilified. There was even a poster depicting him grinning with tiny electric chairs for teeth. That's a poster that I need. Dwight Eisenhower was, in fact, Rosenberg's last hope for a reprieve. And that morning, President Eisenhower had refused a plea for executive clemency. He said, uh, by immeasurably increasing the chances of atomic war, the Rosenbergs may have condemned to death tens of millions of innocent people all over the world. And uh, Judge uh, Irving Kaufman had voiced similar sentiments when he sentenced him to death for conspiracy to commit espionage. 1951, he said that thousands of Americans Americans were dead in Korea because of them. Millions Mm. more innocent people may pay the price of your treason, he snapped. Wow. En route to prison, Ethel Rosenberg sang an aria from Madam Butterfly. Her husband sang the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And I'm sorry if you feel otherwise, but no innocent man sings the Battle Hymn of the Republic (laughs) on the way to prison after being convicted and sentenced to death. (laughs) The man's very life is a political statement. Mm Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's yeah. a dead giveaway. You yeah. are guilty. Yeah. His wife. Uh, what like would I have said, been like an innocent song to? A theme from Green Acres or something. <laughs> really, you know, just like anything that wasn't notable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, like fuck off, dude. You did it, <laughs> and he did. Mm-hmm. But his wife sang, like I said, from Madam Butterfly. I get less of a read on that. I don't. I don't immediately sense the irony of it. Same yeah, song. they were headed to Sing Sing, so I guess it makes sense they were singing. Uh, the nineteenth of June, their execution was scheduled 
for 11 p.m., right? Yeah. And then their lawyer had protested against the execution taking place during the Jewish Sabbath. So the time Smart. was moved up three hours to 8 p.m. Hilarious. And it also meant they'd have to skip their last meal. Wouldn't you be I'd be so fucking, furious. <laughs> I guess, you have drastically shortened my life. Yeah. Relative to... And no chicken. And I had big plans. Final meal? I, I got some ideas. Can I tell you on my final meal? They pretty much, they've pretty much gotten rid of that. But They have? Yeah, you don't see it as much now. Why? Because you would poop, some it, poop it out or something? No, because people got ridiculous. Oh. And they and they just like uh, I don't know why they didn't just go. No, that's ridiculous. We're not going to do that. Right. Yeah. It should just be like whatever you can get on Uber Eats. Well, there's some know? people would order all this shit and then not touch it and just be like not hungry, or right. they'd have one bite and just be like that's all I want. Yeah, like lobster and yeah. yeah. But, but then on the other hand, you kind of go, oh yeah, you wasted seventy five dollars worth of food on this <laughs> on yeah. this guy's oh, death. No. Yeah. You know. So like whatever. What would your last meal be? It would be nachos. Nachos, huh? Yeah. With what? Like, just like steak nachos is everything kind you like? Yeah, steak nachos with like extra chips and um, like, I guess, like a pineapple burrito. Pineapple burrito sounds like an alcoholic drink. Yeah, you're thinking of a, I know what you're talking about. Like oh, a, I think I'm like a pineapple burrito. Now, uh, <laughs> I like uh, for my final meal, but, it's going to be baby back ribs. Oh, that's, uh, can I change mine? Side of spaghetti. <laughs> I want beer battered onion rings. Oh yeah, it's good. Steak fries mm -hmm. and uh, side of mashed potatoes. I'm changing mine to yours. And uh, I would like a salad with Russian dressing. Mm, I don't like Russian with onions dressing. on it. And I would like uh, let's see, um, garlic bread with mm. cheese. What kind of drink? And uh, I would also like. I'm still on the food. Mm. Uh, let's see. What else do I really love for my final meal? Like How about sushi. Okay, I'll, I'll just go ahead. Uh, so, uh, Julius was the first, by the way, to uh, enter the death chamber, and he was dead in three minutes. Hmm. And attendants quickly mopped down the chair with an ammonia solution that masked the stench of burned flesh. <laughs> Ethel went harder. After the standard three jolts, she still breathed. Uh, the executioner had to give her two more, so she was a little bit uh, longer lasting. Wow. Beginning in 1931, Sing Sing was, uh, they had an inmate football team. How about that? The Sing Sing Black Sheep. Ha! And uh, one guy... It's kind of cool. Now, they had a coach, yeah, from the New York Giants. He sponsored them, and he brought them uh, equipment, and he, he coached them the first year. His name was Tim Mara. Wow. Provided the uh, uniforms and all that shit. He tutored them on the fundamentals, and uh, the team was known as the Black Sheep. They were also sometimes called the Zebras. All games were home games. <laughs> Played at Law's Stadium, which is named for the Warden. In 1935... The starting quarterback and two other starters escaped the morning before a game. Holy crap. Man, they really did not want to play. That's that, that's why you can't give privileges like that because it leads if, to escape. I wonder if it does. I think so because you get more comfortable and lax, you know. Yeah. Alabama Pitts was their starting quarterback uh, the first four years, and uh, he was a star for the first four seasons. Then finished his sentence upon release. He played for the Philadelphia Eagles in 1935. Shut up. He That's did. That's crazy. Isn't that great? Yeah. In 1932, a graduate Jumbo Morano was signed by the Giants. That's a graduate, but you know what I mean, like a mm -hmm. guy who had been paroled or whatever. Right. And then he released, and he played for the Patterson Nighthawks of the Eastern Football League. Oh, mm -hmm. my God. The 1933 Patterson Nighthawks of the Eastern Football League. They were an amazing <laughs> Jumbo Morano leading it up. 
1934, State Commissioner of Corrections uh, kind of said no more advertising of activities at the prison because uh, a new rule banned ticket sales then in 1936. No revenue would be allowed. They basically shut that shit down. No more football. It was a short-lived thing. Uh, Sing Sing also made a contribution to the English language in the form of a phrase, up the river. Mm. You ever hear that? Yeah. So if you're hey, we're being sent up the river, that originated in reference to prisoners being sentenced in New York City to be sent up the Hudson River 20 miles north to serve their time there in Sing Sing. Prison's no place a lot of us want to be, uh, but... It, it used to be kind of worse. By the way, have you ever wondered how prisons were born? Yeah. How were they born? Well, when a mommy and a daddy prison love each other very much. Stop. In 1824, <laughs> the New York legislature gave former army captain and warden of uh, Auburn Prison, a guy named Elam Linz, a task of constructing a new, more modern prison. So he chose a location on Mont, uh, Mount Pleasant near a small village in Westchester named Sing Sing. And uh, Sing Sing was named from the Native American words Sink Sink, which translates to, this is great, stone upon stone. Mm. Poetic, right? Yeah. When it opened in, in 1826, it was considered a model prison because it turned a profit for the state. And he ran the prison, Linz, using the Auburn system, which he perfected at Auburn Prison. Uh, the system imposed total silence on the inmates. The silence was enforced. The only way that you can possibly enforce silence, which is whippings, beatings, and other harsh corporal punishments. Uh, Linz had taken over at Auburn in 1821. Uh, that's when prison life got a little more austere in, in Auburn. He believed strongly in the disciplinary power of the lash. Even minor infractions could incur a flogging. Floggings were very severe at times. And in 1939, an inmate died from neglect and overflogging. Oh, man. Overflogged. Mm-hmm. I can't stand it when, I, when my inmate comes out and it's overflogged. Have you read my book, Unfloggable? After a petition was filed with the Auburn Theological Seminary, the state passed a law stating that six blows to the naked back with a six-tailed whip was the maximum that could be assigned for any one offense. Wow. Imagine what an awesome reform from mm. the perspective of the inmates that must have been. Oh, yeah. Especially for the ones who could actually count to six. Were you, were you ever uh, spanked? I forget. I was flogged. My naked back was flogged by a whip. <laughs> no. I mean, I wasn't whipped like this. Yeah. We got we had switches down. Switches. From you. you know what a switch is? It's like um, a, tree, a tree thing. It's a small limb. A small limb, A baby yeah. limb that still has a lot of flexibility in it, Oy. you know? Ouch. Yeah, you don't want those ones that are dried up that'll break. It has to have like some mm-hmm. bend, you know, like some youth. Wow. And uh, it's like a little whip, like a little riding crop. Ouch. And see what they used to do, and, and everybody from where I'm from, Tennessee or Georgia or South Carolina or wherever I'm from, they know you get sent out to cut your own switch. Really? Yes. They want you to cut your own switch. Oh, my God. Which is really... I didn't know that. Kind of dumb. You know what I mean? Because you're going to come back with some bullshit. Right. Yeah. Uh, how about this? They're yeah. Gonna, what the, no. Yeah. And then if you do that a couple of times, it's pretty much, eventually they forget what they were mad at you for. Oh, that's so smart. Oh my God, we did stuff like all the time. We bullshit our parents, like, go cut us a switch. And we would just be gone the rest of the day. <laughs> right. Looking for the right switch. Yeah. yeah. We looked everywhere and you would not believe. I guess a lot of kids have been naughty. <laughs> the subpar switch collection. The switches, are the, the bushes are, are pig bear. Yeah. And uh, so we just went up to Hardee's. <laughs> 
The uh, this system was really austere. Mandy. Mm-hmm. The, the men wore striped uniforms. That's where we got that. They walked in lockstep. It was, this was this was pioneered by this guy. Lockstep. Mm-hmm. He invented lockstep. Uh, they would move their legs at the same time, all faced in the same direction. They would lock arms, actually. So mm-hmm. their arms were locked. They were standing that close together, and they would they weren't allowed to look at guards or other prisoners. That was considered a revolutionary development for moving prisoners around inside the prison. Hmm. So inmates worked in small groups during the day, making a variety of shit, and at night they were all sent to solitary confinement. Absolute silence observed at all times. What? It's like a monastery. Yeah. It must have been very effective. You could almost charge people for like a for like a getaway. Eat, eat pray, love. Yeah, yeah, like a spiritual retreat. You know, that's kind of what it what it, it without all the floggings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, minus people are not flogging. paying for floggings. No, the no. silence was intended to take away uh, the inmate's sense of self, oh, uh, which yeah. which uh, it made him more obedient to the warden's wishes. Because I'm sure anyone with that much power. Backed by that much cruelty, you just have a tendency to want to keep that man happy. Yeah. Well, I wondered what he would think of the prisons now. Even at that time, not everyone loved this shit. Yeah. Elam Lins was the first principal keeper at Auburn Prison, and as early as 1821, when Lins had taken over as warden, protesters gathered there to riot, outraged by Lins' heavy-handed methods of discipline. They were already po- protesting the prison. 1821. What a progressive bunch. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's here's how it's explained. 1821. 1821. This is when this guy's just starting out as a warden. Yeah. And he still went on for a number of years. After making it, as I thought, a fair experiment of the dungeon and finding it fail me altogether, I began to use the rod. And when a prisoner would laugh at the dungeon, I could make him perfectly obedient with a few stripes of a cowskin whip. And I promised that he he should not uh, have, have as much more as should be requisite. Even his own staff objected to his brutal methods. In the spring of 1821, keepers refused to flog a prisoner. Keepers were fired, and a blacksmith named Jonathan Thompson carried out the flogging. There's a promotion for him, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, when he left the prison, he was tarred and feathered by a crowd. Uh, this described this way in, in uh, the history of Auburn uh, by Henry Hale, Henry Hall, excuse me. As Thompson passed through the prison gate, he was seized by a furious crowd of laborers, tarred from head to foot, and borne through the streets astride a rail. The ringleader of the mob, with a hen under his arm, walked by the side of the unfortunate Thompson and plucking handfuls of feathers from the screaming fowl, stuck them to the blacksmith's tarry coat. This shocking affair was condignly punished as a riot. On the other hand, the convicts uh, stimulated by this outside sympathy. You never heard the word condignly, have you? No. Uh, I'll tell you what it means, because I hadn't heard it either. It means of punishment or retribution, and it means that it's appropriate to the crime of wrongdoing, fitting and deserved. It was condignly punished as a riot. On the other hand, the convicts, stimulated by this outside sympathy, learned to be rebellious, transgressed the rules of the shops at every opportunity, and set fire to the buildings, destroyed their work whenever they dared. So it really got people all stirred up there at the prison. You think that you do pretty well in prison, don't you? I sometimes wish I was in prison. Are you saying, like, now you wish that? No. I mean, just like... I just, I feel like in prison you wouldn't have to worry about, you wouldn't have to like tweet, you know? No. Yeah. No need to tweet. In fact, I don't even think it's allowed. 
Yeah. I think Twitter is the first thing you lose. Yeah. I think the day one when you get arrested, they're like, first of all, you're off Twitter for good. I mean, that sounds great. Just Why not... don't you just delete your Twitter? Because <laughs> I have a book to sell. You and know? you think that really is uh, yeah, it helps. important? Yeah. So you're not worried about selling your book once you're in prison? Well, no, because you wouldn't have... The option. I, th- I think that, yeah, I think that I like... You the, like your I, options being limited. Yeah, I think sometimes I fantasize about... But are they really? Because people sneak um, smartphones into jail and prison. So mm-hmm. maybe if they could, maybe you'd be thinking like how to sneak one in and be, you know, live outside your means. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I just have some idea where very extreme actions or situations would take away any of the like modern day stress of trying to. Sure. Make it, you know. You know, oh, trying yeah. to make it. That's, a, that's your thing. You got to stop trying to. I stopped trying to make it in my 30s, and I feel so much better. <laughs> By the way, if I'm not limiting your options enough, just let me know. I can kick it into high gear. No, but I don't really want it. It's I more, forbid you to tweet. Yeah, no, I don't actually want it. It's just a... Bitch, get off Facebook. It's like, uh, it's like the idea of going to you know, an island and leaving everything behind and just you don't ever have to deal with anything. That's all. What would be your five desert island social networking sites? Hilarious. MySpace, Friendster. You went right Google to Friendster. Plus. Oh, gross. Friendster. LinkedIn. I know. It's a bad joke. I know, I know, I know. But you said five, so it's like an impossible joke to not be hacky about. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Google+. Plus. Mm-hmm. So that would have been the funny five. <laughs> You're right. Okay, yeah. and uh, so 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 that's the end of that and whole... And Snapchat. The prison breakdown there. Oh, and Snapchat. There's a new thing coming. Uh-huh. That's true. Uh, and... This guy, now, Guidel with good behavior, right? This guy, the guy who's who, back a long time ago when yeah. he went to Sing Sing. Yeah. Remember, he went 20 years, he went to Sing Sing. Right. With good behavior, he was nearing a potential parole hmm. hearing with doc, uh, doctors. They uh, declared him legally insane. Oh, my God. In 1926, that's when he was transferred to the mental hospital at Clinton Correctional Facility. Wow. And he was there until like 1972. Huh. <laughs> Jesus. Hold on. I don't know if I'm giving you the right years here. He's the longest serving prison inmate in the United States whose sentence ended with, with his parole. Wow. After being convicted of second degree murder in 1911, uh-huh. at age 17, he served 68 years and 245 days. Impressive. Uh, he, uh, impressive. Mm. Why so? All That's he had to do was not time. die. Yeah, well, I just, any, any, any world record any, link, cool. any lengthy prison sentence is pretty mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if uh, your friend, uh, Bullshit, what's her name, ever uh, wrote this guy? Probably uh, not. He began his sentence at Sing Sing, shortened due to good behavior, and then he was nearly uh, ready for the hearing. Uh, they found him to be legally insane, moved to Dannemore State Hospital for the Criminally Insane. That mm-hmm. was Clinton Correctional, uh, but the, that was the mental health part. He was confined there until 1972. That's mm-hmm. bullshit. That's kind of, he is crazy, mm-hmm. mentally insane mm-hmm. from 1926 to 1972. Mm-hmm. I think that was some of that big money for the guy he killed. I mean, the guy was a pretty, pretty wealthy. Yeah. Guy. Well, I mean, I, I guess I don't understand what would be the alternative. He had to be somewhere. What, what do you think? He only, he, it was only a 20 year sentence. 
okay. 20 years. And then after that, once you're insane, they can keep you as long as they want. Okay, okay. okay. Until they say you're fucking sane. Right. So uh, in 72, uh, he was then moved to the Fishkill Correctional Facility, and he lived in a unit designed for elderly inmates. It was more like a dorm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as his uh, tenure in prison went by, he developed a rapport with prison officials who sometimes took him out to a baseball game. Yeah. Or other out. Can you imagine? That's fun. And then he uh, was granted parole August 1974. 80 years old, he didn't want to leave. He lived in prison 63 years, his entire adult life. He had no family. He yeah. believed he would not make it on the outside. He stayed in prison for almost six more years wow. by choice. And then finally, like, dude, you gotta go. That's insane. And he left Fishkill, having served the longest prison sentence in U.S. history. No publicity, please, he said with a smile to reporters. As he was leaving the facility, he's believed to have lived out the remainder of his days in Beacon, Dutchess County Nursing Home. Died at 93. So, interesting guy, huh? Now, Tilly Mitchell, the Shaw skank, says Hollywood's portrayal of her as a lovesick prison seamstress who helped her inmate boyfriends escape is beyond redemption. Now, we've been watching this uh, Escape from Dannemora. Yeah. Uh, it says uh, in, in the two 45-minute jailhouse interviews last week, which she gave, she's, uh, she's, she's really angry about this. She denied she ever had consensual sex with the convicted killers. And that's a big difference from what we're seeing on the screen. Well, because in this, because she's having, I don't think it was fair. How is that? Terrible. Mm. Terrible. Okay. Just talk about it. Okay. You have a lot of thoughts about this. I know. I know. Just don't resort to voices. Okay. You are being very like relaxed and sex potty on this fucking show. I am. Yes. Oh, I don't want to be that. Oh, I'm not trying to be relaxed and sex potty. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Um, let me be. Let me just hold on. Okay, I just turned the sex pot off. All right. Okay, well, so here are my thoughts about uh, Tilly Mitchell. I think that she is a woman who has lied so long to herself that she actually believes the things that she's saying. Interesting. Yeah. You mean you think she's convinced herself and that's like actually her reality? Yeah, yeah. I think that... um, I think that she believes that because something wasn't uh, fair that she's able to kind of change the reality of events and can stand by it. That someone who's like grasp on the, on the truth is very tenuous and that has served her well as a survival skill yeah. throughout her mildly sociopathic lifetime. Sociopathic yeah. But I, but I think mild, don't you? I mean, I don't think that, um, I will. I mean, it's as mild as it needs to be or, yeah. as, you know, but, it, but it's very, I mean, the, the, two of us were talking about her treatment of Lyle is just skin crawling because he is this guy who wants nothing more than to just please his wife and make her be kind to him. I mean, it, it is just, it is the typical sadist masochist kind of union. I don't know. I mean, the guy doesn't seem like he's a masochist to I think me. he is, yeah. He seems like a guy who just cannot uh, really quite 
put it together. Like, what? Why is she mean to me right now? Right. She'll be nice to me later. Mm-hmm. Maybe he is a masochist. I don't know. But I would say worse than her treatment of him is the the show's treatment of him, uh, the Hollywood treatment of him. Uh, ben Stiller, director of uh, the of the show, yeah. his treatment of him. Yeah, they really have Lyle as a fucking. Uh, just cut hard, just a total, yeah, yeah. like a real dum dum. Yeah, I mean, he's literally slack jawed and drooling, pretty much through uh, most of it. Yeah, he looks like Joel Rifkin, by the way. If you want to know what Joel Rifkin looks like, he looks oh, okay. like Lyle. Yeah, uh, yeah, like he's got this like, mustache and he's just like a real idiot. I and, just want to set the way they, him up with a nice girl. That's the only thing I can think. The thing is, he probably is a tremendous bore and pain in the ass. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. Like when you think about it. It's, Stuff like that just makes my heart ache. <laughs> no, it's know? really sad. Yeah. He's just with the wrong lady. And the yeah. way he got with her. Was she was married to another guy before. Right. And this isn't revealed until deep in the show. Yeah. Like, they kind of go back in the past and they show you how they got where they are. Right. She is married to a guy. They got a kid. They jump the car and all this bullshit and they go to work. And the guy was working in the same place as her. Some seamstress place, whatever. Right, right. And there's, you know, Lyle also working there. And he's... You know, she's uh, cheating on the husband with Lyle. Right. He's like fucking her in the woods Mm -hmm. nearby where like other employees can see. Yeah. Word gets around. Yeah. Guy gets pissed off. He doesn't really take the shit. Lyle, in an attempt to show the judge, which they figure this is coming, the divorce. Right. She doesn't want to lose her kid. Yeah. So she wants Lyle to just go get beat up by this guy, which he does, just by walking up to him and smiling in the men's room. Yeah. The yeah, guy that beats is the, the shit out of that him. That is the smartest thing I've ever seen Lyle do, the most cunning and calculated uh, move. Not like it was his idea. Well, I mean, <laughs> to just stand there and smile, I, I imagine that to be his idea. I don't think it was his idea. I think she's like, just go just go smile at him. I know he'll okay. hit you if you do that. Right. Because yeah. he probably said, well, I don't really know what it's going to take to get him to hit me. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. And that's a flawless impression of this actor. I know. And you know what's bothering me is that I sometimes can do spot impressions pretty well. Able it to just so hit it out of the matter. park. It okay. so doesn't matter. Okay. You know who does a great impression of her? Patricia Arquette. It's she true. gained 40 pounds to play this woman. She and did. man, you think you're looking at Joyce Mitchell if you've seen her in all the photos and heard her talk and shit. It's just like, <laughs> wow. Their life is miserable. And and people should do what we did, which is watch True Romance. And oh, wow. then yeah. watch. We did watch that, yeah. Yeah, because that was uh, wild to see her just. Patricia Arquette, the sexy. The ultimate young. sex pot. Yeah, the ultimate sex pot. Uh, she's pretty sexy. Yeah. And she's, you know, I mean, like, uh, the, the reason I kind of like, and oh, I'm thinking of a later okay. Patricia Arquette. To me, I like fucked up teeth. I yeah, think me fucked too. up teeth are very sexy sometimes. I think so too, yeah. If a woman's got some kind of fucking weird tooth thing. Like, you know, uh, who's the one that had that? Uh, Lauren Bacall? Is she the one that had that big gap? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Taut. And I once heard that uh, girls with gaps between their teeth gave better head. What? Yeah. Huh. You know who told me that? Who? My orthodontist. <laughs> weird, right? I didn't even realize that you had orthodontry. You didn't know I had braces? Uh-uh. Oh, wow. That's a big one to find out. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that? I think it's cool. Do you see any photos of me with braces? Middle class. I got into a fight. Oh, no. With the braces. I'm sorry. Yeah. Must have hurt real bad. For that guy, it did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she really is, is against this. She says that uh, 
She says, for a long time, I didn't I didn't accept any visitors whose name I didn't recognize. Mm-hmm. But she was curious to see if this visit had anything to do with the show. Well, damn straight it did. She's 54 now, serving a seven-year sentence for her role. And so she helped these guys escape. Yeah. She, she helped them a lot. She brought them blades in right. the Hamburg, mm-hmm. as she calls it. It's a lot of help. That's definitely that a lot of help. intentional yeah. help. Yeah. No. And, and you know what? They might have gotten away if she would have met them and picked them up like was part of the plan. Yeah. She was supposed to do that and didn't. Yeah. I All think this is spoilers, but it's like, it's fine because like, fuck it. It's the story. You it's know what the I mean? story. Like, yeah. It's e- not really one of those where you're like, what's, it's like watching Titanic. Again, listen back to yeah. uh, 199 and 204. We uh, talk about it quite a bit. These, uh, the prison break itself and, and uh, everything with this uh, with this lady. Okay, two questions for okay. you, Pat. Let's have it. One, would you fuck uh, Tilly Mitchell? Two, would you fuck Patricia Arquette as Tilly M- Mitchell? I think no and yes. Because Tilly Mitchell, uh, I, I, I probably would have fucked her at one time in my life right. when she was the uh, younger version of herself in the, <laughs> right. in, the, in, the, in the show. She didn't look that bad then. No. Like, Patricia Arquette put on 40 pounds to play this woman. Yeah. But for that part, she only put on, like, 25. Right. And she looked okay. It's sad seeing a woman get all excited like this and, and, and really get, uh, you know, interested in making herself look good again. And then, you know, Lyle's, like, their anniversaries, right? We, there's got to be some scenes interspersed in here where you, where you got to hear them talking. It's just like a, it's a fucking hoot. Yeah. It's just a fucking hoot. Yeah. So what about you? Would you fuck Lyle? Um... No, you wouldn't fuck Lyle. I I wouldn't. Appearance wise, you I, might be kind of semi okay with it, but you're I, definitely not. I fucking would. Him I would. I would dedicate a significant amount of time though to finding him a nice woman. Is what I would do as a pal. You do that for literally anybody. I know. It's just. It's like, so annoying. I know. Uh, seven years though. Do you think she deserves more or less time? I think that I think seven years is perfect, actually. Well, I mean, it's a lot of money she cost. Yeah, twenty million dollars for yeah. the manhunt and a twenty. It was twenty three days. I think she had. A, I think she had a good lawyer, but I think seven years is commensurate. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I think they that if I think that walls. if anyone had gotten hurt during their escape, then it should have been longer but i think i think 7 years is actually pretty fair i guess nobody did get hurt uh it just was a lot of money wasted yeah uh, so mitchell says a few things here and i'm gonna, i'm just going to give you a few mitchell quotes here mm-hmm. she says uh she says i wish i could take it all back if i had it to do over i would have told somebody she said she admits that she brought the blades 99 cents at Walmart. And she did it because she was scared of the two, not because she was in love with them. She right. goes, at that point, I had to do it. She said, I was stupid. They took advantage of my kindness, not like your kindness, of your ego. Mm-hmm. They really made her feel wanted. And uh, she really needed that, which is it's a damn shame. You know, you know what's it, fascinating is if we were to look at this by the book, according to kind of like 2018 feminism, there should be a outcry as to why are we not believing this woman and that clearly she was taken advantage of. And, you know, like if, if you were to look at this with very strict kind of extremist uh, feminist orthodoxy reasoning, yeah, this does not pass the, uh, the muster. And the way that they're portraying her, you know, like if you, yeah. I mean, just, just... I think that's why I don't really get involved in a lot of like kind of 
you know, outrages n- nowadays, like, is because... Because they're so arbitrary and inconsistent? Well, because, yeah, because you can see how easily they could be created. Like, one could be created about this. Well, it could. If you just, if you just reached out to, like, a couple of the right people... Yeah, but they there's a little bit of a difference here because they're in prison. And, no, I know, And yeah. she was in a position of authority... Or, you know, uh, de facto authority. Sure, yeah. She didn't act, She wasn't an officer, but she was working as the uh, supervisor of the uh, sewing room, whatever the fuck that mm-hmm. is. She was a seamstress. Yeah. And uh, as a supervisor there, she was in charge of them, which means everything that she did with them by the law would be considered rape. Right. Sexual no, assault from it, her. She would be raping and them. And that's why I'm saying extremist, extremist like rationale because... The law. Well, right, but what I'm saying is is that if you wanted to selectively cherry-pick, interpret this, and kind of like um, advocate for Tilly's side, you could say that uh, just by virtue of their male privilege, the things that they said and did to her mm-hmm. actually undermined any kind of power differential that was in place. Well, I'll take it one step further. That the uh, system... And I don't believe that at all. Okay, thank you. Sorry. That the internalized, uh, (laughs) you know, misogyny of the prison itself placed her in a position to be manipulated (sighs) and raped and punished. Right, right. And then you're suing the prison. Yeah. Because, I mean, I, I I guess the thing that makes me think of it especially is just the entire believe all, all women credo, which, you know... Most yeah. most women don't believe at all, but an extremist faction do. But if you were to take that, you really to think most women don't feel yeah. that way. Oh, definitely not. Most people are very reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's 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 just um. It's a it's like a Twitter minority. You know. It's um, statistically insignificant, made to seem. Statistically overwhelming because of the amplification of social media. We end up arguing all this dumb shit that really hardly anybody cares about or is talking about. Right. Yeah. And yet it is in the forefront of media all the fucking time. Well, yeah, it's because we need something to pass the day and the time. No, it's not. We absolutely it is. I'm. I'm not saying for us. I'm saying that the media manufactures outrages and controversies. It always has. Well, they pick that, but they don't have to pick that. It's just an easy one because women are easy to sell papers to. They're easier to they're easier to sell clicks. They're easier to they're easier to sell on that idea that this is something that matters. I mean, like they've been screaming about that shit for years before guys are like finally what? Yeah. What are you fucking talking about? Like a lady in the back seat who's just been yammering on, and finally you just go, What what is the fucking deal back there? What? Right ah, shut up. You know, and then you turn the radio back up and then you're like, Fuck seriously. Okay. All right. Okay. All what, right. And then what? eventually you've got the car stopped and you're fully turned around listening to her going, no. And then it becomes a whole thing. And now we're on Twitter talking about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just ridiculous. She also says uh, uh, she's depicted by Patricia Arquette. Uh, and by the way, who became, according to the Post, a near clone of the folksy, stringy-haired mother of one. Yeah, Arquette has said that she did not want to meet with Mitchell or research for the role in case she tried to spin her story. And then Mitchell said, the truth doesn't sell. During it, that's her theory about why the cast never visited. Everybody, everyone thinks I'm just a whore who wanted it. <laughs> yeah. 
It should have been called the whore who wanted it. That more, so many more people would. I think, I think that actually is one of the biggest flaws of the series is is the naming of it. Escape from Dana Moore. I had no lame. idea what it was about. I kept seeing this ad for it, and I thought it was something about like gay prison sex or something. And then I finally <laughs> just was like, all right, I guess I'll check this shit out. Uh-huh. And then I was like, oh, my God, it's the story that Pat was obsessed with. It's about straight prison sex. <laughs> yeah. But but you're right. The whore who wanted it would be the title. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, it also has a very noirish kind of pop to to the syllable and the sentence construction. It's like the man who knew too much. The whore who wanted it. The whore who wanted yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Benicio Del Toro is great in it. He's a oh, great yeah, actor. yeah, he's great. And uh, they fucked in a storeroom, according to uh, of the prison sewing shop where she supervised the inmates. Storyline closely mirrors the one prison insiders have told about Mitchell's trysts with the two. So it checks out with everything that people mm-hmm. seem to know. She and Sweat have both denied any physical relationship. That speaks, you know, I, I don't know why he would deny it. He's never going anywhere. He's already a cop killer, and he escaped. Mm-hmm. He's going nowhere, and he's still like, I didn't fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> he's he confessed and ple- he pled guilty to killing a cop. Did you fuck Tilly Mitchell? No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they deny it, but Mitchell did tell investigators that she provided nude photos of herself for sweat and was forced to give Matt oral sex. Now, Matt... Richard Matt, mm-hmm. and this came out, it didn't come out in the show, seemingly, but it came out in the coverage back in 2015 or so, that he was hung like a fucking mule, like a, you know, well, mules are sterile, f- hung like a horse, I guess, would be yeah. the animal, or yeah. a jackass, he kind of had a big dick, a yeah. huge, a huge prison dick, and it you're talking about in, in in a place where there are thousands of dudes. Right. He is known as the big dick guy. Yeah, so he had a big dick. And she blew him. Hmm. She fixed probably you thought those were like cigarette smoking marks around her fucking mouth, you know. It's like <laughs> she's just those are stretch marks. Yeah. She also uh told investigators she got caught up in the fantasy of another life with the two. Mhm. And that's an that's an admission she refuses to cop to now. She goes, "I don't remember saying that." Uh, you see, um, she was going to go to Mexico with these guys, she thought. And then the night of... Her her loyalty to Lyle kicked in, it seems like. She had a panic attack or thought she was having a heart attack at a Chinese restaurant yeah. uh, just before she could put the knockout drops into his Sprite. Right. I think that she was also like, if he's just drinking Sprite, then he's going to know I drugged his drink. Right. If he has a couple of drinks and he gets a little woozy, yeah. well, I don't know, that booze hit me really hard. <laughs> But like, <laughs> you can't be like, hey, that Sprite made me drunk. That was weird. I'd like to see. The, I'd like to see Lyle walking around being Lyle and see if this actor with all his like squinching up and like looking around uh-huh, and spastic uh-huh. facial expressions, if that's how he really acts. Yeah. Or yeah. if this is just something that he cooked up. I think because when you look at Lyle, uh, photos of him, mm-hmm. no, he doesn't look like, you know. A genius, right. but he doesn't look like as stupid as this as guy. Pathetic a character, yeah. <laughs> and I think that obviously, you know, you're trying to, you're you're fucking chewing up the scenery, you know, reaching for the stars or whatever, yeah. Uh, trying to get the most out of a performance, but Jesus, it's like slapstick. The guy is just, 
he's comedically retarded. Yeah. It's worth a watch just just to see Lyle. Yeah. And it's partially um, one of the writers is a past news whore guest and a past crime report guest, which is uh, Jerry Stahl, who wrote Permanent Midnight. Yes, that's which right. Which was um, a book that uh, Ben Stiller produced into a movie. Jerry Stahl was a guest on the show, uh, and, and so we discussed baseball. And uh, as a that for some reason, baseball was like part of a metaphor or something. I don't remember why. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he, he. I remember that we started that episode with I was talking about uh, a kid being thrown out the window uh, by the mother. You know, mother threw a kid out the window. Yeah. And so I was like. Uh, Doing what I do, you know, and finding the humor. Yeah. And he and and so I kinda got to the end of that little opening part and he goes, Are we taking the piss out of a kid that got thrown out of a window? Is that what we're doing? And I'm like, Yeah. Yeah. Sure. To the Buddhist, this current human existence is just a blip. After death, one is reborn into another body until enlightenment is attained. A very short leg of the relay race to Nirvana was run by a Bronx newborn. An unnamed newborn took the express elevator to the afterlife. From the cradle to the grave in mere minutes, a Bronx mom threw her baby out the window. A newborn still had that new baby smell. Police said the baby was tossed out of a seventh floor window of the University Heights apartment building before 33-year-old Jennifer Barry even gave it a name. May I suggest Chuck? Along with the baby, the woman threw out the afterbirth, which also had no name. Both possible victims of an attempt to throw out the bathwater. By the time they hit the ground, it was difficult to tell them apart. Daily News said the former child welfare worker seemed possessed. 29-year-old Kenneth Bolton agreed the devil was in her eyes. It was more like she wasn't human. She was deranged, like she was lost. You know, that look someone gets in their eyes, but they don't know where they are. Barry was charged with second-degree murder and manslaughter after an autopsy determined the death was a homicide caused by multiple unforced trauma. I didn't know you could perform an autopsy on a pile of baby. Uh, joining me now, Jerry Stahl possibly best known uh, as author of Permanent Midnight, Bad Sex on Speed, and I, Fatty, a celebrated novelist and screenwriter. He's also written numerous episodes of TV shows from ALF to CSI, also legendary for overcoming a monstrous heroin addiction, and uh, is the father of two daughters, who he also credits for helping him get clean and stay clean. Jerry, hi. Were you making comedy gold of the uh, baby out the window? Well, thing? I was doing, um, my, doing wow. my best. Damn, man. I, I You just... That is bold. Yeah, thank you. Pile of baby. <laughs> Jesus, Well, man. from seventh floors, you know, you'd think that, that there would be an impact on the body. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was just impressed yeah. that you were kind of... You know, making carnival you know the, of that situation. You know, the thing is that people get... And why most, not, really? Th- yeah. I mean, why sure. not? I don't think the baby minds. And, uh, you know, the, the mother's the one who tossed it. So uh, if people would stop throwing their kids out of windows, I'll stop talking about it. Yeah. You know? I mean, like, uh, by the way, Tilly, uh, Tilly's upset about about a couple of things. Like, like Matt had a daughter. She goes, if it wasn't for me, her dad would still be alive. Holy shit. She sits a cry a daily is a uh, crying is a daily activity for her. Lives a lonely life. Yeah. I cry every day because I'm in here alone without my family, no prisoners to fuck, and I put them <laughs> through all of this. I she, bet she has found a way to fuck someone. That is a very sexual creature, that Tilly. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. She needs, she needs that validation. Now, I love when I'm reading, uh, and especially when I'm talking to you about it, because yeah. you have so much experience in the press. You uh-huh. were uh, you spent seven years at the Post and uh, many years writing for a number of other publications and newspapers. Uh, you know, the, the verb they use, it says, I put them through all this. She blubbered. Yeah. But that really... Well, that's uh, a tabloid. I mean, yeah, that's like a tabloid choice you would never see in the Times or somewhere else. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're, you're able to be as cartoonish as you want. Cartoonish. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you call? That? I would say that's yeah. A you're right. Cartoonish descriptor. But it's a, it, and it's also fairly. Uh, it, it's I not I, I railed her, to you. You know. Well, it's not. It's not taking her seriously. Yeah. It's not taking her to you seriously. It's rather. It's rather laughing sort of at her, isn't it? If she, right. How she blubbered that. Yeah. I cry every day because I'm here alone without my family. She blubbered. It's also why we can't have nice things in tabloids in terms of writing because decisions like that are made because that completely takes away the integrity of the, of the writing, you know? You like, really think so? Yeah, I think that, like, Stephen King would uh, red red pen the shit out of, of blubbered. I don't know if Stephen King is like going to be the go-to on this one, but uh, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying a, a fine writer of some sort. Yeah, well, I think he has a whole thing in the book on writing about how you should just only use said so and so said, and you should never use you know said sarcastically or said with a twinkle in his eye. Like let the power of the words and the story. Oh, okay. Kind well, of tell I, itself. I you can know? I can see the point of that it's yeah. because you want to make sure. That uh, you choose dialogue, right? That is strong enough, yeah. And and you're going to make stronger word choices in your dialogue, but that's fiction writing, and this is news writing, and you don't get to make up the quotes, right? So in that situation, well, that's. I mean, I, I guess I just mean situation. I guess I just mean for when people are trying to do the highest form of. Right, but I mean, it's not really. Yeah. I, I see no, that I as, a, as an exercise. You know? It just, it just. I love that's it. something that happened a lot at the post. Would be if. Um, Do you guys have a special like thesaurus that that's like a tabloid thesaurus? It's like cried, blubbered, <laughs> uh, no, squalled. <laughs> I've seen squalled. That's funny. No. Uh, what about? Uh, there should be though. Wouldn't that be cool? But but that's the difference between like a a news story and say a feature story where you can have a little bit more writerly writing. She said her granddaughter is four years old, and I've only seen her once in three years. You know why? Because uh, your uh, the the kid's parents, which would be your children, they they don't really want the daughter to be around. Oh, absolutely. The biggest whore in Danamora. Mm-hmm. And and she'll she'll be known for that forever. She might as well pack up, move the fuck out. They should have called it Escape from Danahora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it rhymes. Mm. Uh, it says uh, Mitchell rarely leaves her cell and claims that she's never been to the prison yard because she fears she'll be framed for any funny business. The state hates me. What are they going to frame her for any funny business? They're going to. She really thinks they're out to get her because yeah. she helped a couple of guys escape. Yeah. Go. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. It's some of the shit you brought on yourself. You know what I mean? What I see here is a chick who just doesn't take any responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a classic um, personality disorder, yeah. which is like like she's the opposite of the neurotic that thinks that they're causing all the world's problems. She thinks that all of her problems are caused by the world. Mm. Like classic, classic personality disorder. And she thinks whenever I whenever I meet someone who I notice they never are 
they're always explaining how things were done to them. It's like, I am so careful of that person. That's a dangerous, dangerous individual. Uh, especially if it's like stuff that's happening to them, like uh, where there's no one else involved. Yeah. You know, like I had, I went, I drank at the bar for a little while and then I get popped for a DUI. <laughs> Well, okay, it, it, it's a wild ass story. She's so ugly. She's just she's such not an ugly. that ugly. She just looks like an old bitch. No, she, <laughs> she is a busted old hag. And uh, the thing is, I don't know.